Hello again, everybody. This is uh, Jason Powers. Thought I'd uh, do a Sunday broadcast. I'm, uh, this is going to be a long, uh, particular broadcast as I have it uh, planned. Well, I didn't plan it that well, but uh, I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of nuggets in this. But it'll be a uh, I think an hour plus uh, when I get done with it. There'll be a break in the middle there, uh, music break. I decided to. Uh, put some together so today uh, we're gonna do a, a piece from uh, James Corbett we're going to look at uh, Michael Singer and his recent post on uh, Substack we're going to follow up on a Pfizer story and and or the idea of uh, their um, great uh, I guess you could say uh, fraud that we've been uh, living for a, a number of years just overall, um, there's a host of uh, things to discuss, plus we'll have some uh, info, uh, clips from uh, our favorite uh, evil people in the world. When I say favorite evil people, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, the Klaus Schwabs and the Yovel Hararis, and, uh, but also some um, hopeful or, uh, and or uh, people who are trying to wake people up. Now they're looking at it from their point of view, so we'll let them let them discuss it um, when we get to that point. Anyway, there will be a host of uh, clips and uh, me trying to not butcher people's uh, uh, work and analysis. But uh, there's a lot of lot to go over today, so we'll play. We'll please, uh, shoot. Sorry. Uh, unfortunately, when I load up, uh, Brave is not a good browser to use with Sprecher. I've found out. But I still use Brave, and by that I mean it. If you open a tab in Brave, it interrupts Sprecher. So, without further ado, I'll uh, go into first. I guess we'll start with. We're going to start with Michael Singer. I'm going to read. Uh, this is uh, from Milton. He has a quote. I'm going to just read the quote and maybe a, a, in the final paragraph. It's called "One Giant Fraud." And he says, justice must be done for the response to the COVID-19. Our democracy depends on it. And the quote he cites at the beginning. And one day, you'll see that everything, everything has changed and changed completely under your nose. The world you lived in, your nation, your people, is not the world you were born in at all. The forms are all there, all untouched, all reassuring. The houses, the shops, the jobs, the meal times, the visits. The concerts, the cinemas, the holidays, but the spirit, which you never noticed because you made the lifelong mistake of identifying it with the forms, is now changed. Now you live in a world of hate and fear, and the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. That's Milton Mayer. They thought they were free. So, and he goes on and talks about the, 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 the long idea of uh, what we've been going through. In terms of the cult and the cheers is spread, and uh, and then I think in lockdown proponents, he got banned off uh, Twitter. So I'm gonna uh, here here's uh, a part of the, and this will lead into what I'll talk to later about uh, the fifth generation warfare. Quote from uh, Singer. These crimes were enabled by a media apparatus that, every step of the way, abused language to hijack human empathy, wrapping tyranny in sweet-sounding words of uh, communitarianism, 
we're all in this together. My mask protects you. Your mask protects me. Follow the science. Just stay home. But all this manipulative propaganda to which citizens were subjected, none has been more insidious than the attribution of these countless harms to the pandemic. Governments, NGOs, nonprofits, think tanks, even leading journalists and scientists have all indulged in the collective fantasy that these policy decisions were inevitable, the harms they cause attributable to natural forces beyond their control. Of course, none are really so vacuous as to believe that global famine and the permanent shuttering of millions of small businesses were caused by a respiratory virus with an infection fatality rate at under he says under two percent it's point two seven percent that was as of last early last year but that's the point the attribution of lockdown harms to the pandemic is is not intended as an argument it's intended as an order um and then that's from him and let's see here uh i'm gonna uh, go down <clears throat> So he talks about the the leaders in charge. The majority have generously uh, generously assumed that their elites don't understand the enormity of what has transpired with the response to COVID-19. I believe that, in some cases, the evidence points to a darker possibility. They know they just don't feel any social or financial incentive to care. But the particular motivations of individual actors are not crucially important, at least for the time being. The key point is the abominable result. For two years and counting, the world has adopted a a swath of unprecedented sweeping mandates pioneered by the Chinese Communist Party on overtly fraudulent pretenses, and the vast majority of elites have not acknowledged that it has even happened, much less that there was anything unusual about doing so. No No one has yet been implicated in these crimes because, as of yet, no one has even looked. They all let it happen. They are all implicated. So, true enough. That's the that's where we're at with that. And that's from Michael uh, Michael P. Singer, and he's on Substack. Uh, there's this long article about Pfizer. Well, it's not about Pfizer. It's about Pfizer is one of the lead, leading uh, things. Uh, the the this is from Rebecca Strong via Medium. She the anatomy of big farmers political reach, and it's a it's a good read. Um, there's a lot to be uh, discussed, talking about the histor- uh, history or in this historical implications of, of certain agencies, particularly the FDA, the CDC, and how um, you know they buy studies through the, the medical journals. For example, there's a, a citation here. Or, uh, when the New England Journal of Medicine published 73 studies of new drugs over the course of a single year, they found that a staggering 82% of them had been funded by pharmaceutical companies selling the product. 68% had authors who were employees of that company, and 50% uh, had lead researchers who accepted money from a drug company. So that they're in, you know, they're using they use the medical journals to push or to sell product to people. And people believe that the, the, I mean, when you start digging into their disclosures and whatnot, you find out that there is a, uh, it's just drug hustling using a medical general to, to justify the, the, the outcomes. So, and then a next thought from this one, according to a 2013 research conducted at the University of Arizona College of Law, even when pharma companies aren't directly, uh, directly funding the research, 
company stockholders, consultants, directors, and officers are almost always involved in conducting them. A 2017 report by a peer-reviewed uh, journal, the BMJ, British Medical Journal, also showed that about half of medical journal editors receive payments from drug companies, with an average payment per editor hovering around $28,000, which, you know, if you're a, um, what would you say, if you're a uh, factory worker making $14 an hour, that's what an editor gets uh, from each payment from uh, to a uh, to a, the editor of these uh, journals. Um, just so you know, um, I found that it is probably the case with at least one uh, particular editor that uh, works for the New England Journal of Medicine, and we'll leave it at that for now because uh, I mean I can talk about them, but it's sidetracking. So, <clears throat> so also next article from Zero Hedge is a. Uh, Pfizer hired 600 employees due to large increases of adverse events, and this is the document from uh, um, I, I, the site is uh, P, the Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency. Uh, so it's uh, the P, phmpt.com. So you can go there right now. There's 166 uh, documents available that have been released by Pfizer uh, regarding their uh, trials, and so. Uh, there was a host of uh, information in here uh, tied to the vaccine and whatnot, so pretty substantial stuff. Um, I I put I think I put that link in the description. So we'll move on. Um, trying to go through these quickly. So another one from Substack. This is from Robert Malone, who um, he talks about defeat the mandates in L.A. He says uh, I'm just going to read part of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I come to you with an open heart as a physician committed to healing, bringing three simple words. Each word rings like a bell in the soul of honest people. Integrity, dignity, community. Integrity is a commitment to truth in what you say, how you live, and how you treat others. Dignity flows from respect for ourselves, for each other, and for the world we live in. Community is what binds us together to each other and gives our lives uh, purpose and meaning. Saint Augustine, the doctor of the uh, doctor of the Roman Catholic Church, famously said, "The truth is like a lion; you don't have to defend it. Let it loose; it will defend itself." So there's many uh, um, said. Uh, he goes through this at the end. Um, I'm going to go down here. Regarding the genetic COVID vaccines, the science is settled. They are not working to prevent infection replication and spread of Omicron and they are not completely safe. The vaccines were designed for a different virus, the Wuhan strain. Whether they make sense made sense for protecting our elderly and frail from the original virus is irrelevant. So let's stop arguing about that. We must look forward. Correct. Going backwards and saying, you know, this is for this or that or whatever. And the more and more you dig inside this, the more and more you realize that uh um even the vaccines were prepped and ready based upon trialing that they may have done overseas and in uh, on the Uyghurs in uh, China. So we may be, uh, yeah, we were being set up for this, um, which is part of the uh, next piece. I think I'm going to go ahead to, uh, I'm going to go to the Corbett report. So hold on here a second. I got to load this back up to where I think it's important. There was a question at the outset, but I'm gonna move back to that point, and we'll let it we'll let it go from there, and I'll shut up for a while. 
which you claim that virtually everyone on the planet is a combatant and where the battleground smolders between our very ears. You were speaking about a little known concept called fifth generational warfare that you state is characterized by full spectrum dominance over every single aspect of our lives, our movements and our interactions, our transactions, even our innermost thoughts and feelings and desires. Can you speak to how in their efforts to wage fifth generational warfare, the global oligarchs, misleaders and powers who shouldn't be have weaponized narrative framing that weakens our cognitive defenses and subjugates largely oblivious masses. What role do our cognitive biases play in this manipulation? And can we devise strategies and tactics to become cognizant of those biases and mitigate their effects? It's quite the question. <laughs> well, well, I, maybe I can solve uh, cancer and, and uh, find world peace while we're at it. Well, <laughs> all right, let me, let me try to break this down because this truly is uh, such an important question on the most basic level of what it is, the situation we find ourselves in. So I've attempted to articulate this a number of times over the years um, by, for example, calling this World War III. We are in World War III. It is already happening. It just looks nothing like warfare as we've known it before. And as you note, I just this past weekend released an editorial that has not received enough attention, I think, yet, but hopefully more people will catch on to it. It's called Your Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. And in this, in this attempt to articulate this idea, I'm picking up on an idea that's been floating around for a few decades now in uh, academic-y type of think tanky circles about generation warfare. Um, so this goes back to a 1989 Marine Corps Gazette article that was co-authored by William S. Lind and a couple of others, um, talking about the modern era of warfare, which they define as being post-Treaty of Westphalia, 1648, that they state uh, sort of coalesce the idea that nation states have a virtual monopoly on warfare in this modern age of warfare. Before that point, you had religious warfare and tribes and ideological warfare of different sorts. But from that point forward, it was the modern era of warfare, and it was nation state versus nation state over land and, and territorial sovereignty and what have you. And in that context, they came up with this idea there were four generations of warfare that we've seen. So going from the first generation and first iteration of this um, being the old tactics of line and column and sort of everyone lining up and firing at each other that quickly evolved into the second generation warfare of uh, indirect fire mass movement of troops that was uh, in response to various military developments um, rifled muskets breech loaders barbed wire etc you get to the third generation of warfare which has non-linear movement like maneuver and infiltration and uh it was developed in response to the uh, increase in battlefield firepower that was brought to bear in World War One, And then they stated, okay, so now we've arrived at fourth generation warfare, which is now no longer nation state versus nation state. Now it often involves uncertain actors, nation states versus guerrilla insurgencies. Uh, it's not necessarily military men with guns in their hands. It, now it involves information operations and psychological operations and other sorts of uh, effects like that. And some people have picked up on that idea and run with it and said, well, okay, now we're in fifth generation warfare. And so I just picked up on that concept. Don't get hung up on the term. I am not an adherent to this as, as the, the defining category of existence. What I'm trying to paint is a picture of warfare that doesn't look like men in camo with guns in their hands pointing guns at people. That's not what this warfare is. This warfare is an attempt to control 
the citizenry of the planet Earth, by each individual nation-state against their own citizens, primarily, um, which, again, does not fit into our framework of what warfare looks like, because post-Treaty of Westphalia, you have nation-state sovereignty, and so no other nation-state can come in and dictate what a nation-state can do within its own territory. But now, nation-states are more concerned about consolidating their control over their own citizenry. So what does that look like? What form does that take? And I identified several different areas that this warfare is happening on. The information warfare plane, the uh, neurological warfare plane, which is a new front that's opening up given the technological advances that have been made in recent years, biological warfare, not just what we've seen over the past couple of years, the, the specter of the four, uh, level four bio labs and whatever may be leaking out of them, etc., but also the idea of weaponization of pharmaceutical interventions to actually cause uh, uh, medical problems in the population or the genetically modified organisms that are being uh, essentially altering the genome of the biosphere in an open-air experiment that they always say is controlled, but always, oops, it turns out this organism escaped and we have no control over it, or, or things along those lines. And uh, we also have economic warfare, which I think everyone is probably feeling at this point as the inflationary pressures start to rise. But that's the price of freedom or something like that, according to Biden and others. So um, the, once we start to contextualize it in the right way and understand that we are being we are essentially the targets of this warfare. And it isn't necessarily Russia that is targeting Americans. It, it is, to some extent, the American government that is targeting Americans for control over primarily their mental space. So that if you can control a population to the point where they will do what you say, you don't really need the people with guns pointed at their head telling them what to do. You just, you just implant it in their messaging. You just have people in certain positions of authority like uh, like a Fauci or whoever who gets to dictate, okay, now everyone will do this, now everyone will do that. And people can be led along in a system of control that is more refined and complex than anything yet developed, and which is being aided by the technological advances that I alluded to earlier. For earlier. So that's, that's the big overview of this subject. And I hope you can understand there's a many, 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 many pieces to this puzzle but I think we need that bigger picture of what this, the, what the puzzle is forming so that we understand and contextualize those pieces as we put them in, in place. Having said that, that's a big mouthful. So if you want to follow up on with certain things. Yeah, and before we go any further, James, we, we did link to your fifth generation warfare article at Vermont. So, sorry, and let me see if I can uh, get my uh, broadcasts uh, better. So... I saw an interesting, um, this is a visual that someone put together on, um, it's a paradigm shift Substack, and I downloaded it and I'm going to go through it real quickly. And it kind of explains, let's just say this, this is another high overview of what's going on, but, um, this is the, what they call the G3P, which is global public private partnership. So that's why it's called G3P. It's, kind of like all the other acronyms that you're going to stumble across but i think it's a pretty good uh this is a very good summation of what's going on and how they interconnect and how we're dealing with it and the things we see and the things we don't see so you have this bank uh, okay everything is about money let's just let's just uh clear clarify something when i say everything's about money 
when I say everything's about money, it's about resources that are tied or attached to uh, financial uh, transactions, economic, as uh, Corbett just pointed out with the inflation and this and that and the other thing weaponization, economic warfare, financial warfare, transaction warfare. Those are all uh, actually a part of a, like when you talk about the fifth generation, you're talking about a broad spectrum of what's called, uh, at least in some uh, terms, asymmetric hybrid warfare. So asymmetrically means that one side has more information, more tools, it's kind of like asymmetric uh, information when you talk about transactions between, say, for example, something we're really familiar with, a used car. So the people that are selling you a used car know more about that car than you do. You're buying it based upon the faith that you trust in them. So from an asymm- uh, they have asymmetric information. They know more about the situation than you do. Kind of like, uh, for example, uh, a, a company, say, from China who wants to list on a exchange like the New York Stock Exchange. Now, they know more about their company, and they know more about what their dealings are, and they know more about what they want out of the situation than even the stock exchange. Now, this is called, you know, this is where due diligence is supposed to come into play. So in order for them to list on a stock exchange, the stock exchange people and the SEC and whatnot, the governmental actors, are supposed to vet that company and make sure that they are a legitimate, they're a good investment, uh, and when I say good investment, they're an investment option that is based upon something tangible. Uh, They're producing something that people are, so people aren't being huckstered. Well, there was an article recently pointing out that many of the uh, Chinese uh, listings have uh, been duping and suckering investors, uh, and the people that are involved in it are, listing on a stock exchange, then taking people's money, and then they're bouncing. They're, they, in other words, they run up the stock, they sell out, they, they cash out, and then they leave and poof, and they vanish without a trace, leaving people, other people who invested in that company holding the, holding the shit. Uh, that shouldn't, that isn't, they're not the only ones doing it. That's just an example. So I'm using that as an example for the asymmetric uh, situation. Somebody else knows more information about what's going on. So, anyway, getting back to this diagram. So, at the very top, you have what's called this Bank of International Settlements. Um, I'm going to just read through this verbatim, pretty much. They ultimately control the money supply and thus global markets, trade, and national economies. So, they control the winners and losers. They're picking winners and losers. The Bank of International Settlements is actually above what they call the central banks. Central banks coordinated by the BAS. Coordinated. So we know about the U.S. Central Bank. We know about the European Union Central Bank. We should know about Russia and all these other state actors that have, quote-unquote, a central bank, a centralized source where money... uh, The U.S. Fed, the Federal Reserve, is the largest and currently because of the reserve currency position that the United States holds, which is waning due to the fact that now, there's a long history to that, but uh, uh, going off the gold standard, doing lots of other things, uh, the petrodollar replacing that, etc. Uh, central banks, they're going, they called it going direct. That was actually a uh, BlackRock uh, euphemism that was painted in a paper that they wrote in August of 2019. And as we all are aware, BlackRock owns a substantial, has over $10, 10 trillion in assets under management. 
and they own a significant portion, usually five anywhere between you know five to nine percent. They I know they sometimes they owe ten percent of a company, but for the most part, they own a substantial portion of of uh, of all these Fortune 500 companies, as along with Vanguard, along with State Street, along with most of the other uh, major investors. So institutional invest, investors own, in many cases, 80 to 90 percent of a major corporation. So it's it's a big club, and you're not in it. So so the central bank is uh, they're doing the direct funding, government spending, monetary policy has effectively become fiscal policy. So then these are the policy makers. This is the part where the policy is all being driven from top down, centralized sources. And in many cases, beyond politicians. So the next next layer of this cake that they put together is called the. Uh, so these are your, um, these are the people that we see on TV that are these powerful conferences, the World Economic Forum, the Council for Foreign Relations. You know where Joe Biden said he got six hours. So the Council of Foreign Relations been was put together in 1922. Then you have the Club of Rome. Which is a uh, little group of you know they they supposedly are working on you know they care about people they don't Chatham House Rockefellers think tanks and global global representative groups um, so these formulate the policies to achieve the G3P objectives resource allocation determined by the BIS and central banks but they are working in partnership quote unquote with think tanks and other representative bodies to convert that into global political policy. So those are all your policymakers. Those are the people that, uh, these are these are your, and when you think about all these other little, like the groups and uh, central banks and stuff like that, well, who runs the central banks? Who uh, Who is tied to central banking? Um, it isn't just the Rockefellers. There's also the Rothschild. There's families that are, Located in certain places around the world that are highly influential. I'm sure there is one in China too. I'm not going to pretend to know who that is, but I'm sure they have some. Uh, I don't think it's just Xi Jinping. It's uh, there's central fam. There's families over there. There are powerful families that have certain aspects of ownership of this and have wealth beyond our, our wildest dreams and imaginations. So then you have the policy distributors. So. You know, you have people that are making these edicts from on high, but then they pass these edicts on down through the policy distributors. So the United Nations, who likes to run their mouth, the IMF, the IPCC, the World Bank, the World Health Organization, philanthropists like the Gateses, global corporations. You know, we've recently run, a, run into uh, uh, a, a global corporation pushing uh, transgenderism, uh, Disney. Disney. And then you have these NGOs who always talk talk about NGOs that, that goes back to Gates too. These organizations advise take policy directives from the policymakers and distribute them to the policy enforcers, the policy enforcers, national governments, and selective scientific scientific authorities. So think of national governments. You know you're talking about the NHS, uh, police, military, courts, local governments. Uh, statutory agencies and the authorities can be the uh, uh, SAGE, uh, the J JCVI, the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, the AMA, uh, the American Medical Association. 
The policy enforcers exploit or work with the selected scientific authorities to justify the policies they are required to enforce. In other words, they justify their these policies could be cockamamie as hell, but then these uh, scientific uh, these tech, the, the policy enforcers are essentially technocrats. They're they're your technocrats that that, that work uh, to uh, come up with reasoning to support the the money that's coming from the top. They're paid off. They're like I said, they're the technocrats. And then you have the policy propagandists, which of course is the mainstream media, the fact checkers like PolitiFact and all these other social media platforms, hybrid men, and they call them hybrid warriors. So one of the people that was mentioned uh, who was on Joe uh, Joe Rogan was talking about the 77th Brigade, uh, the anti-hate campaign, uh, campaigners, you know, and then the propagandists and hybrid warfare sp- specialists are tasked with convincing the public to accept and hopefully believe in the policies. They use psychological manipulation, disinformation, misinformation, censorship, and propaganda. The very things they talk about amongst the public that the public shouldn't be doing, they're doing. It's all this narcissistic projection. That's This is all driven by people with sociopathic and narcissism and, and uh, uh, psychopathic uh, uh, ends and means, which we'll discuss in a minute. Policy subjects. So this is the public to us. We are the subjects of the policy, which cascades down through the GPPP uh, system. We largely pay for the system through taxation and public borrowing. Um, yeah, the system is designed to exploit us, but we are increasingly unnecessary component as the GPPP look to seize the global uh, commons. Correct. These people want to control everything and everybody. They could care less what we think or say or do. They just want to control. And speaking of which, we'll go to uh, our favorite minions and we'll let, actually you're going to hear from Elon Musk in this, I can't even talk today, and, but um, we'll, we'll just let, we'll let, we'll play a few of these clips and that follows up with this and then we'll come back to this uh, diagram again. And since it's Dimitri's force, difference of this technological revolution. It changes not only what we are doing, it changes us. Because it's a fusion of our physical, digital, and biological spheres. It's an integration of those spheres. Just think of sensors planted into our brains. The opportunities are immense. And we have to prepare. I created the community of global shapers as a means, as a force to shape our common future. This engagement of the young generation never has been more important than now where we have to face the consequences of the pandemic of COVID. 19 for creating a more resilient, a more sustainable, and a more inclusive world. You are calling for the international community to safeguard vaccine equity, to respond to COVID-19 and prevent future health crises. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Young people, you, 
are rallying behind the global wealth tax to manage the alarming surge in wealth inequality. You are calling for programs that help you and young progressive voices join government and become policymakers. To limit global warming, you are demanding to halt to coal, oil and gas exploration. You are asking firms to replace any corporate board directors who is unwilling to transition to cleaner energy sources. You are championing an open internet and a two trillion digital access plan to bring the world online and prevent internet shutdown. And you are presenting new ways to minimize the spread of misinformation and you want to combat dangerous extremist views in the internet. On stakeholder capitalism will be the key. So you get all that. That's just three minutes of Klaus Schwab. You can see how he's projecting that onto all the youth and saying that they want this, they want this. See, that way they don't have to take any responsibility for all the evil actions they're doing. They'll say, well, you are the ones who wanted this. You wanted a climate change and you wanted power and control and you I, I can't do Klaus Schwab very well but you know all you have to do is think of an evil Bond villain and he's just he's just sick and he's only he's only a third level policymaker but I'm sure he has his connections he does to the central banks and and uh, controlling certain things but that's the that's just the kind of uh, that's the kind of good hearted soul he is by trying to you know Saying, "Oh, we want, we want the youth, youth." It's always about the youth. They have to get to the children. They got to get to the most gullible people in the world to sell them a bunch of shit that they they aren't going to ever reap the benefit of. That's always the beauty of uh, of uh, being one of these old old assholes who, uh, you know, they they know they know that they were once gullible as youth and they were uh, manipulated, so they want to manipulate youth again. You know, they don't want anybody to grow up with a uh, free conscience uh, because they don't think enough of us are worthy of that. So, speaking of which, uh, first we're going to play Elon Musk. Now, this was from like, I think, 2017 or 2018, so uh, just bear with me on this. There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social challenge. Um... And I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic Un- income. Universal basic income. I think it's going to be necessary. So it means that unemployed people will be paid across the globe. Yeah. Because there is no job. Machine robots is taking over. Um, that, that's simply the, the... And I want to be clear that these, these are not... Uh, things that I think that I wish would happen. These are think, simply things that I think probably will happen. Um, and since, and if, they, if, if, if my assessment is correct and they probably will happen, then we need to say, what are we going to do about it? And I think some kind of a universal basic income is going to be necessary. Um, now, the output, the output of goods and services will be extremely high. Um, so with automation, um, they will, they will come abundance. Um, there will be, uh, almost everything will get very cheap. 
Um, the uh, it's, so it's, I think the, the bigger I think we'll just end up doing uh, universal basic income. It's going to be necessary. Um, the, the the harder challenge, much harder challenge, is how do people then have meaning? Like a lot of people, they derive their meaning from their employment. So if you don't have, if, if you're not needed, if there's not a need for your labor, how do you, what's the meaning? Do you, do you have meaning? Do you feel useless? These are much, that's a much harder problem to deal with. Yeah, and then uh, here's a, uh... Klaus Schwab's uh, chief pinhead. I'm going to let him, let him talk for two minutes. Yuval Noah, Noah Harari. I think once you're superfluous, you don't have power. Uh, again, we are used to the age of the masses of the 19th and 20th century, where you all, where you, where you saw all these successful, uh, massive uprisings, revolutions, revolts. So we, we got, we are used to thinking about the masses as powerful. But this is basically a 19th century, a 20th century phenomenon. I don't think that the masses, even if they, they somehow organize themselves, uh, stand much of a chance. We are not in, in, in Russia of 1917 or in, uh, uh, or in 19th century Europe. What we are talking about now is like a second industrial revolution but the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves. We are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, the, I think, the two main products of the next wave of all these uh, uh, changes. That is, 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 is optional. Again, and if you think about it from the viewpoint of the poor, it looks terrible because throughout history, death was the great equalizer. The big consolation of the poor throughout history was that, okay, these rich people, they have it good, but they're going to die just like me. But think about a world, say, in 50 years, 100 years, where the poor people continue to die, but the rich people, in addition to all the other things they get, they also get exemption from death. Once you really solve a problem like direct brain-computer interface. When brains and computers can interact directly, uh, for example, to take just one example, that's it. That's the end of history. That's the end of biology as we know it. Nobody has a clue once, what, what will happen once you, once you solve this. Uh, if life can basically break out of the organic realm into the vastness of the inorganic realm and you cannot even begin to imagine what the consequences will be because your, our imagination at present is organic. So there you, uh, there's, the, there's the, the future that they have predi uh, per predicted. So, you know, that's where they get with the own nothing and be happy because they really don't think of the masses, which is me, you, and anybody who will dare to listen to this broadcast, uh, they, they don't. They they just look at us as, and they've said it, and in so many you know hackable animals, useless eaters, uh, low IQ, and, and you see how he wants to bifurcate society. There will be the the super elite who think that that because of how they want to build their consciousness towards a centralized or generalized intelligence that 
is being worked on through AI and stuff, that they will live on for uh, hundreds of years. Um, for example, Jeff Bezos with his life extension that he wants to, he's working uh, with a, uh, was it Los Altos in uh, California. Uh, he wants to extend life to 150 years or so. At least that's the initial uh, initial project that he decided to sign on to in, I think, July of 2021. So it's relatively new. It's less than a year old. It hasn't even been a year yet. That's what they're working on. They're working on that uh, idea, the concept of, uh, and, and of course, you know, they rolled out these mRNA vaccines. They didn't just roll them out for no reason. It wasn't. They had nothing to do with, you know, of course, Klaus Schwab says everybody shall get the vaccine. Not everybody. They didn't, they didn't get it. You can guarantee Klaus Schwab didn't take the vaccine. <laughs> you ever see him? You won't see him roll up his sleeve for nobody. He won't do anything. You know, they they are just too important, you know. Uh, and, and if they do do stuff like that, it's all for show. They put on a, a put on a, uh, it's got to be a big display of, you know, so that all the youth and all the dumbasses out there that'll still believe this stuff, and they they keep on. There are people that are so dumb that just they just accept what you know because they're they're you know there's where the incentivization comes in with the universal basic income because you know what is the meaning? And Yavell has talked about you know video games and and, and some kind of uh, virtual reality. That's where the metaverse comes in with uh, with. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. There are people that, because they have no meaning in life, which is their fault, it is. If you don't have meaning in life, that's, that's, that is ostensibly your fault. Because you can find meaning. I know certain people don't have the, um, you know, it's not just your work. There's more to life than just punching a clock at a, a warehouse. That is absolutely true. That is, that is just a mechanism for you to continue to pay bills and, and generate uh, a, a, a subsistence. You have other time. Remember your ancestors long ago had to work 14 hours a day. And they were working 14 hours a day just to keep alive under a feudalistic system, which is what these people want to do to you again, by the way. They want you as a feudal. They want you as a feudal serf, and they don't care whether they have AI robotics and stuff like that. Have you seen all these robots yet? You know, do you think these robots are going to actually? I mean, they they're trying to install a system that they are nowhere near capable of putting in place, but they can if they get rid of the variables, which is you. You're the variable. Uh, the less of you there are, the easier it is to do this. Uh, that's that's what their plan is, uh, through whatever mechanism, through the warfare that they're trying to install. Anybody who resists, they're going to get rid of, uh, at least initially, so that they can get the compliance. That's the reason why they're they're projecting and blackmailing people by saying you're spreading disinformation or misinformation. If you have a freedom of thought, they don't want you out here in this uh, world because you you may uh, you may rally the troops. They don't, as uh, Novell was talking to, he's like, uh, this is no longer like the 19th and 20th centuries where the poor people can rise up. They don't want you rising up. These people are so so full of themselves that, you know, they, they just see, they see themselves as just gods amongst amongst us. They think that there's so much, they are mortal. They don't, they, they will not 
survive this. They think that they're better than us in every way, shape, or form. They may be able to have better intellectual arguments. They may have uh, have bigger luxury lot, yachts, which is another reason why they dislike us. They don't like they don't like poor people flying planes. They don't like poor people at the airport. They they despise even seeing us. They don't even like us to be on social media. They de- definitely don't like us being on social media and making fun of them. Uh, that's that's where this some of this comes from. It's a resentment. It's a hatred. It's the the mocking. Rich people don't like to be mocked, and when they get mocked, they get vengeful, and then that's what they're doing with this. And they've been planning this for a long time. Uh, you know, they they have subtly all they uh, you know like Michael Singer said, uh, they just don't care, and that's that that's what's really coming out of this is they don't care. And because they have, they have, uh, they use the pandemic to uh, seize power from the entire Western world. The whole uh, hell Westphalian model uh, seize power back from the nations. Uh, they put their puppets in place. That's what the World Economic Forum did. They got the puppets at all the major stops. So even though France is having an election, and now it's Macron versus Le Pen, if the people there can't uh, keep that election straight and if they're and I don't know anything about Le Pen but Macron is a World Economic Forum puppet and Le Pen evidently has not been a part of that little system uh, if they, if people give a shit about their nation state then they should probably vote for nationalist uh, if you don't care about your culture then go ahead vote for the World Economic Forum puppets that includes Joe Biden and includes the Morrisons and the uh, you know, before she was replaced, Merkel and and uh, of course Boris Johnson and all around the world, uh, Jacinda Ardern and all these other idiots, and and also and of course Trudeau in uh, Canada. So there, there I just named them off all on the top of my head, and they're all tied to the Western powers, and that isn't the only place that they're located. Uh, so that's a vast array of the global public-private pro- partnership. And this is just fascism and communism mashed up together, uh, as many of other people have uh, conjoined them. So the fascism is the corporations, and the communism is the fact that it, communism is just feudalism with a uh, with a nineteenth uh, century spin on it. But they're going to do techno communism. So you know that's the whole thing. With everybody will have the UBI, the same level of income. Uh, you, as long as you behave yourself and obey the system, you'll continue to get your your gruel or your little little bit of. You'll just be just kept just above this. And of course, they're going to cut your power. You're going to keep your mouth shut. You're going to stay inside when they tell you to. Let the robots do all the farming. Let the robots and the AI take over the world. And then, and then, of course, you know, they're not going to they're not going to keep us around. They're gonna they're gonna get rid of people, and I know people say they would never be that way. How can you be so stupid? It's like no, I'm not being stupid at all. That's exactly what they're after. They they they're not like I said. They're not looking to have many more variables here than they need to. It sounds conspiratorial. It sounds ignorant. It sounds crazy. But think about it. Have they really shown any sympathy at all whatsoever for the people? They can they can kill off a hundred million. Uh, they they've been doing this to Africa. Africa has been a continent where 
Bill Gates has gone over there and vaccinated and caused all kinds of havoc and chaos and trying to reduce birth rates. They don't like people to put reproduce. These people think that they're better than everything and if you don't have a high if you have high enough IQ, they pre-select you through their um, their talent recruiting program. They find somebody who's got enough IQ who doesn't have a lot of moral qualms. That's where they recruit from the youth or recruit from within uh, to to build up their their roster of people that they can put in positions of power, uh, military, a uh, political power to run these operations. And they don't care what they look like. They just need somebody that likes to go along and, and as long as you keep your mouth shut and don't, uh, you know, it's a cult. It's, it's just basically a rich cult. Uh, they don't care what kind of, uh, they don't care if you know what their, their peccadilloes are anymore. They've come out, they pulled off the mask and told you exactly who they are. And they've been saying this for a long time. You know, no- Noel wrote his books, you know, over the last uh, decade or so, uh, just nobody thought of anything of him because he seemed like just like a, a quirky, stupid uh, uh, history professor. Uh, stupid in terms of, uh, you know, just uh, somebody who's just a quack. Oh, but he knows who he knows what asses and boots to lick and asses to kiss. So he's gotten where he is. So let me go back here to Corbett for a second. So uh bear with me well actually let me uh there's just two clips here i'm gonna play ones from jo- jonah uh, jonah goldberg uh with the chicago thinker uh, and then i'm gonna play another one from uh, dr malone on tucker so these are these are interesting uh tied to media so i'll just let them play you talk about a to c they now think that if only the media had told us about the laptop at the time as the kid yesterday was suggesting which i don't buy his you know theory that Trump would have won. You know, but for the censoring of the New York Post, Trump would have won. And it's, I think it's a preposterous counterfactual, but it's also an, it's impossible for me to refute. In the same way, I cannot refute that this bottle is keeping all the polar bears away. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, do you see any polar bears? Right? I, cannot, I, I cannot prove the negative. And, um, and this is just a... It, it, it has now become... Can we lock the doors just in case? <laughs> it, is, it has been wrapped into a much larger narrative. And, um, and so when they hear disinformation, they say, oh, you mean like Hunter Laptop, which actually turned out to be true? Yeah, well, we won't know, of course, uh, uh, Jonah Goldberg, uh, Goldberg uh, because the whole point was, was to censor that out. You know, if people knew how, you know, they don't want anybody to make decisions based upon clear clear evidence out there. And the, the thing about the we'll just we'll just go down the memory lane here. The laptop was in the FBI's hand in December of 2019. It was in their hands before Trump was even impeached the the first time. It was about a week before they took the vote on that. It was like December 9th or something. So it was really close. It was closely tied. But they had it in their hands. And the FBI can do they you know the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world haha ha. not really they're just the most they're just the most ideologically slanted and and morally bankrupt a group of individuals that that, that are on the face as a matter of fact they just got their ass kicked in uh, Michigan but be that as it may that's a that's another side story so yeah 
if they wanted to, uh, they, of course, the establishment protects its own. It protects itself. It, it doesn't allow, uh, doesn't want the people to know anything. I mean, can you imagine if Watergate had been just as, I mean, they'll say the Watergate cover-up. Well, this is a hundred times what the Watergate was. This is easily a hundred times. Because this is a sitting, this is now a sitting U.S. president's son who had been doing deals with Ukraine and deals with China and had all kinds of uh, compromise on his computer that he actually put on there, which I have always, uh, I'm hypothesizing, was per, per, per particularly left behind for a reason, either by, either he was told to do it or he did so in order to make sure that his father would run in, in the election. I don't know which one is the reason. doesn't really matter. The thing is, is it was out there. I mean, either that or he has sold uh, tripping balls on cocaine all the time and a mess and everything else that he doesn't, <laughs> you know, leaving his computer behind wasn't just by, I just don't have, a, I just don't think that it was by accident. I think it was done intentionally uh, because it was, he never bothered to come back and get it. <laughs> and so I think it was left there purely so that they could, and here's the thing, by doing so, and by then labeling it disinformation and calling it Russian disinformation as 51 uh, national security people did, uh, they uh, they made it so uh, then they could, uh, though this information, not only it, it was an easier way to feel, I guess you could say it was one more way to make uh, uh, Biden sympathetic to the, the dupes that voted for him. This isn't to say Trump, Trump was substantially better now that we look at it in terms of the vaccines and whatnot and the fact that Trump is, I mean, Trump was not a Russian asset. Trump is a, you know, what is a average president in terms of his accomplishments, but average is much better than what it was under all the other ones. That being said, he's far from uh, the ideal president. There's nobody that you can put in, in power, that position of power. And by the way, he isn't the most powerful man on the face of the earth. The president of the United States is controlled by the administrative state that's around him. This has become more and more true over the last, you know, decades. So, uh, it, it, it stands the reason that anybody that's put into that position has to be vetted and has to be controlled by the people that run the agencies at the at top, uh, by the CIA or FBI or any of these DOJ they all want to control the presidency. They no longer care about who's there. They only want to make sure that person doesn't change. It can't can't order anything that they don't like. Uh, they they disregarded Trump's orders. By the way, uh, they disregarded his policies. They decided they wanted it. They did things their own way, and, and and they were they were they dared him to get rid. Imagine any time he decided to get rid of somebody. For example, Ben Min or, or John Bolton. There was a big media uproar. The media is controlling the United States of America uh, in many cases. At least the people that want to be controlled by the media. And uh, uh, matter of fact, I'll, I'll get off on my soapbox and uh, finish up with Tucker here and then go back to James Corbett. So uh, when I say Tucker, and I know people will have their misgivings about that, but he's talking to Dr. Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, and I'll let, let them have their conversation because they're talking about Bobby Kennedy.
I have this cognitive dissonance where I realize how much my thinking has been skewed by reading the New York Times and the Washington Post. Oh, it's so true. That's true for basically every, I mean, spend an afternoon with Bobby Kennedy Jr. Is he crazy? Which, which I, his, I now consider him one of my friends. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I feel the same way. And, but if you read about Bobby Kennedy, it's, oh, he's, he's a villains. monster. He's a yeah. Hitler. His what? family hates him. Um, no, he, he has seven kids and they all love him. So actually, Bobby Kennedy is one of the best adjusted people I've ever met. I mean, but it's all lies. Well, actually, that's the so, truth. You know, so on Bobby, is I think... And I and I really enjoy interacting with Me him. Me too. I deeply respect him. I, do I too. think if there's anybody that deserves the Nobel Peace Prize, he is I the one. Couldn't agree more. Um, but you know, think through. As I try to imagine for myself, if as a young man I had had my father and my uncle brutally murdered, yeah, how damaged I would be. And I don't think I could have recovered. No. To and become the person that he no. is. And the guy was, a, at, at the age of 30, he was a drug addict. And he beat it himself and went on to lead this remarkably productive and, in my opinion, virtuous life. He really achieved something. Yes. Over, you know, against horrible odds. And, um, no, the I Monsanto admire The Monsanto lawsuit. Yes. Water keepers. Exactly. Um, children's health defense. You know, fundamentally just trying to drive in... I, um, I think there's a good chance as a vaccinologist, I'm embarrassed now uh, to, to learn what the actual data are about the efficacy of vaccines and what has really caused the decline in, in, in infectious disease in children. It's, it's, the data are quite clear. That declines basically parallels the improvement in sanitation prior to the implementation of the vaccines for almost all of these pediatric diseases. And I, I, if I live long enough, I suspect that we're going to see Bobby Kennedy totally vindicated. So there's uh, several things there. So you, you got the, the, the idea of misinformation, you know, the media, there's the smears and whatever. Uh, smearing, uh, you know, you know Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, who, as I mentioned, uh, you know, he lost he lost his, uh, you know, his uh, uncle and his uh, father um, assassination. Uh, uh, United States of America probably died on uh, uh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. That's I'm gonna just put that out there. Um, when I say it died that day, that was the day that the administrative state. Um, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald, not certainly not him alone. It's a conspiracy, and the buried the, the the amount of evidence and the the data and the the reports that they buried and the the fact that the CIA came up with this con- this concept of conspiracy theory and there's uh, still people out there that are still suckerable enough. To believe that you know they think you're just a crazy crackpot it's because they don't want to think outside of they don't want to think too hard about what's really going on around them they're incapable or they certainly want to put enough blinders on to 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 hide the fact that you know big pharma is uh uh you know buying uh buying spaces in med- medical journals uh to produce studies and results so that they can push 
all kinds of drugs on you that eventually are found to be unsafe and have killed people, caused heart attacks or caused addiction uh, at a level that causes people to commit suicide or, or go or go through massive depression. You know, it's as, as Malone goes further there, he talks about vaccines and he talks about the children and the, the, the studies that show basically if you have clean drinking water, just that simple element, clean cleanliness, clean water, you know, a livable space, good food. Believe it or not, most people will survive. Most people live. You don't need this vaccine bullshit. This vac- vaccines have been a hustle for going back to Jonas Salk. I know there are people out there that will scream and re and talk about how wonderful polio and measles and all these vaccines. Uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's books out there. As a matter of fact, Bobby Kennedy wrote a preface to one of them. Uh, tied to the uh, uh, virus mania. And I know there'll be people out there that'll complain about that. There's a whole section in that about uh, the AIDS virus and how poppers were involved and how drugs were involved. And I'm not saying that it cannot, that the virus cannot exist. I, I, you know, there's a host of th- arguments that can be made about all kinds of things. Uh, the thing, The thing is, is we don't know how much of this stuff is being created for us in a lab. You know, cellular manipulation at this point. We know that this, uh, there's a there's a, a recent article I read tied to the fact that the H1N1 virus was manipulated in a lab. That's the one going back to the 70s. So, you start looking at this and you start seeing what human manipulation is. We have people that are are building and making things to cause damage in, in populations. And people will say... Why would they ever do that? Wouldn't it come back to haunt them if it happened to take somebody from their life? If you're a sociopath or a psychopath, you just, they're bored. These people enjoy causing chaos and malevolence. And if they are that talented as a scientist, the Mingala, or, or, and they've been doing this for God knows how long, uh, don't you think that they, 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 they prep for themselves and make sure they have an antidote or certainly know a way to deal with the disease. And in some respects, they uh, I'll tell you how, how, how these people think. So they, they know how to, uh, they know how the, 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 the situation is set up for them, the virus that they've produced. And they'll have the antidote. But they may even want to get sick because it's a new feeling for them. They like being, sometimes they like being vulnerable and they'll get sympathy and then they'll figure out and then they'll make it, so, you know, they know there's an incubation period. They know such such and such and such about how the virus works or operates. They don't want to die, but they certainly want to get the sympathy. This is the mentality that they have at that high level, at that high level of the spectrum of evil in intelligence and motivations. Uh, they they uh, they don't uh, they don't operate like the rest of us. They don't operate on a normal frequency. For some reason, people think that these that uh, you know they, they 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 use their logic to try to explain people that are either hyper logical or people that are just hyper crazy. I mean, they're <laughs> these people are out there. They people keep on think assigning their particular. 
uh, viewpoint of how they think things should logically work. They keep on thinking the world operates on a logic frequency that, that is tied to their logic frequency and based upon their logical experiences. They don't understand people at that end of the spectrum. They really don't. They don't have a cognitive, and they'll say, well, you don't know. Actually, I kind of do, and this is where I'll cross over with another point that was made in this. So Bobby Kennedy was an addict at 30 years old. Okay, I was incarcerated at age 28 years old, and I was around people that are very highly malevolent, murderers, rapists, the whole kit and caboodle. We're talking about the whole bag of tricks. Uh, I was involved in these people for a substantial period of time, whether I was in, in a Marion County jail in Indianapolis, and later on I was at Westville. So I spent two years around these people, uh, enough to know that there are some very intelligent and very evil people inside that were there for a reason. I know this, and very evil people that aren't very intelligent. So there's a whole spectrum of this. I was around people that were always hustlers, they always are looking for game or action. They're looking for excitement. Robert Robert um, Robert Hare created a thing called the Hare Test to test test out antisocial personality disorder. And of course, amongst prisoners, there's a high prevalence of that. There's just this in the rest of society doesn't have a very good understanding of this. They they when they see malevolence, they say, "Ooh, look at how evil that is," and 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 they can't believe it, and they're like. They act like this is new. They think that highly malevolent people can't exist in, in a three-piece suit. And then if they do think that, then they think, yeah, but they will never gain enough power to do the things they want to do. Bullshit. Bullshit. To not understand that there are people at the very high end of this, this spectrum. It doesn't matter if they're always smart or they have all the answers. They don't give a shit. A lot of times they don't care. They just like chaos. They love chaos. They love destruction of humanity they love to see things burn i mean come on there's people that pyromaniacs they actually these love that's the when i say they love to see things burn the same way it can be said for they love to see things implode they like to see humanity fight fights fight amongst itself for food and resources and money and and uh, uh voicing and the whole kit and caboodle so when people act like they understand evil or they understand they uh, they don't think that it could ever rule the roost or that the people at the very top really want to see them all dead <laughs> they really don't they don't seem to have a enough of a, a of a perspective to understand the calculus that these people are putting in putting in place and that they already have in place and the fact that you're not aware of this yet as uh, I'm going to finish up with James Corbett is only going to uh, only going to come become more and more uh, uh, clear to you as time goes on. Um, yeah, they're using a different mo modus operandi uh, <laughs> versus anything you've ever experienced in your entire worldview. You can base it upon history. You can go back to the Hitlers and the Stalins and and all the evil people throughout history. You know, Nero, whatever. You can go through. You know. Um, but right now, that's what you have. I mean, there's a reason why Hunter Biden, you know, and Jonah Goldberg, he, he's like, oh, you know, you know, you know, about changing the election. 
the election was just one aspect of this. If you're willing to create a coup and hide things from people to get what you want, I mean, what makes me think he won't go to the next level? If the ends, which is what these people are all driven by, and, and Jonah's a, a, a lower in IQ anyway, so he doesn't matter at all, but he's just one of the puppets that uh, uh, fall into this uh, policy category, and that's all he is. He's just out there to spew bullshit. Uh, and, you know, of course, yeah, there's some logic to, you know, when he says, you know, you ca I can't prove a negative. No, you can't prove that it will have any, you can't prove whether or not it would have changed the election. But we, we certainly can think back and think, hmm, if people had known, and there's, uh, if people had known everything they needed to know about Biden and have paid attention to everything they were supposed to pay attention about, would they have voted for him? I don't, you know, no, I don't think so. And, and, and that being said, we probably needed a third candidate. We don't need Trump. We don't need Biden. But then again, you know, like I said, the agencies are going to go come in and just run things the way they want to. And if they don't like you, well, they'll figure out a way to get rid of you. See, in the old days, they did it the old. They did it in a crude ma manner with JFK. They just did. That's what it was. Uh, irrespective of what you think of him or what you think of his policies or whatever else, they got rid of him. You know that wasn't the, that. I mean, this is as old as oldest time. I mean, I'm reading over some old Roman him, Empire stuff, and you know there were periods of the Roman Empire where you know sixty or seventy years went by. And no, no emperor or no uh, uh, leader, no uh, Augustus Caesar uh, or Caesar of the time didn't uh, didn't die na of natural causes. Natural causes, they were all executed or or found incapable and killed by their generals and whatnot. That was always going on back then. That was back in and this is the early AD, uh, like two hundred and three hundred A.D. So we're talking seventeen hundred years ago, which is. If you you know look at it from a standpoint of time, a human human existence, you know that's pretty recent. I mean, if you think what humanity's been, uh, you know, writing and doing stuff for what about ten thousand years. So you know it's it's happened in the last uh, you know you know uh, most most recent time. I mean, recorded recordable history, you know that kind of stuff. So we'll go back to this real quickly. Uh, Perfectly. My apologies. Uh, good, it's encouraged. <laughs> um, but if they want uh, my work specifically, I am at CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, Report.com. I know a lot of people used to know me from my YouTube channel, but that has since been deleted for thought crime. So now the, the way to go is directly through my website. Yeah, and we did link link back uh, to that in, in, uh, in our post. I was reminded reading your uh, Fifth Generation Warfare uh, essay, this morning, James, of a, a searing documentary on the Vietnam War from roughly 50 years ago called Hearts and Minds. Hearts and Minds, which was a riff on General William Westmoreland's famous line about the U.S. Army having to win over Vietnamese hearts and minds. And uh, in, in one of the most famous scenes in documentary history, we, we see Westmoreland uttering these words while the Agent Orange and Napalm is raining down on, 
these families and children and women. And it, it's a horrific kind of moment in a very troubling documentary film. And I, I'm guessing the film is still available here and there. But um, and yet, fifty that was fifty years ago. I mean, you documented this in, in this analysis just how much more sophisticated these uh, uh, these weapons. Yes, and may I just point out, uh, firstly, that I think that is what William S. Lind and others were responding to, is the idea of the changeover from a military that was geared towards fighting and winning battles to one that is geared towards fighting and winning hearts and minds. That's, I believe, what they were gesturing to with fourth-generation warfare, that it's a, it's a different type of military operation altogether. And uh, secondly, yes, the, uh, the advance in technology is extremely important, because as the authors of that fourth generation warfare piece from 1989 pointed out, it was primarily technological advancements that, that brought the evolution of different eras of warfare. And I think we can see that at work. Uh, World War I blew people's minds. Uh, even long-term military strategists and planners, people who had developed plans for their entire careers, suddenly saw them all dashed off the board in a matter of months because this warfare looked nothing like warfare had ever looked before. World War II, similarly, did not look anything like warfare before. Wars like in Vietnam or Iraq or other counterinsurgency operations look nothing like the warfare before. And when and if there is a hot World War III between nation um, uh, world powers, it will look nothing like what went before. So people have to understand the technological differences um, in this warfare. And one of the, I think, simplest ways to get your head around that is to watch a presentation by Dr. James Giordano, who is associated with a number of groups and, and universities and what have you, but he uh, definitely has spent a lot of time in the neurological weapon sphere. And when you listen to him talk, I have the impression that there is at least a little bit of flim flam in there, and that these weapons are not quite as developed as maybe the US military would like them to be. But it, it at least gives you a sense of what of what they are working on and the potential power for these weapons to, if not literally control people like Manchurian candidate, ro candidate robots or something, at the very least to disrupt your cognitive processes long enough for a, a, an enemy to come in and do whatever they want to do to you. And in this case, again, enemy does not necessarily mean the Russian army or something. It could be our own forces. Again, depending on what way you're reading um, the, the way these battle lines are being drawn and in what context, uh, as we just saw in Canada just a few short weeks ago, if you support the wrong political protest movement, you can and will be labeled as a national emergency threat, which then opens up the Pandora's box of literal um, military operations being waged against you, as the Canadian Armed Forces admitted to last year, saying that the pandemic presented a unique opportunity to uh, to refine their propaganda techniques on the Canadian citizens themselves. The military openly declared war on Can Canadians. I don't know if they, most Canadians noticed that, however. Yeah, and here in the United States, the Department of Homeland Security, just under a month ago, issuing a new directive claiming that any misinformation or disinformation or malinformation, they invented it, even yet, in, yet another term, uh, particularly around two topics, the, the COVID-19 situation or uh, election integrity, uh, would be met with the label of domestic terrorist, which you know has been in the works for some time. Um, so, James, that's... sorry about that. Um, uh, 
earlier um, dead air you know they always say you're not supposed to worry about that but you get a feeling there between uh, the Westmoreland hearts and minds so that's where we're at when when you're dealing with people that are you know, even Westmoreland, I don't know enough about the dude, but I, I do remember, you know, would you think that a military, somebody who's in the military that that that, that is uh, doing this to civilian populations, um, and this is what's going on right now with Ukraine, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but, you know, and you can... You know, between the Russians and the Ukrainians and the Nazis that work for the Ukrainians and the Russians and what they're working with with China and the World Economic Forum and the UN and NATO and all these uh, actors, do you do you not get the idea that they're 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 working for something else? And then also you have the the Shanghai lockdown that's going on, um, Setting up a potentiality that, uh, you know, of course, Fauci's going to come back on and say, yeah, we need lockdown again to control this virus, uh, you know, again. And then I've read uh, reports or read uh, people's discussions about uh, the the evolution of this, uh, uh, this uh, gain-of-function virus that was created in the lab and, and some of the markers and the things that were inserted into this particular virus and as it evolves uh it gives you a great deal of uh um insight into the level of malevolence that these people are willing to go to to get what they want and 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 what i mean that is uh they they didn't leave any um they didn't leave any stone uh they didn't leave anything uh, to chance. They decided they wanted to create a chaos, a chaos-making machine that will con- perpetually be re-rolled out, and it may very well cause all the things that they want. And they'll blame it on that. They'll say, well, if if we had only locked down harder, if we'd only done this, but they've never worried about treatments. That's the key thing. They've never worried about uh, preventative. Uh, and when I say prevent, that... Once you are infected, they haven't worried about that that critical time period between the infection and say five days, the early pro, early treatment program. They've never worried about. It. You notice they notice they notice they constantly ignore that. It's basically we have to either stop you from getting the virus, which means we have to uh, shut down entire societies and have you throw on masks and control and manipulate you, or. Once we get you to the hospital, we're going to jam we're going to jam this medicine in you that's highly expensive, or you must get a vaccine. And the vaccine that does not work does not help you. You know, people keep on being sold that oh, it prevents COVID or it lessens the symptoms, but you must take this vaccine. And billions are already at least in the United States, two hundred and some odd million have already taken it. Sometimes two and three times. And don't get me wrong, you know there are people that that were uh, uh, pushed in in that direction, and that and and that's it's terrible. They were manipulated or controlled or coerced. Another part, another aspect of this whole thing is the coercion methods that they've used. But be that as it may, uh, yeah. So this this is uh, very very very. Um, uh, warfare-like 
against all of us. And we are in this war. And we're not, uh, uh, you know, and this war is about, you know, us controlling our heart and our minds to get to a, uh, a better understanding of, uh, of uh, what humanity is, what it is the means to care about each other, what it is to uh, uh, compare about ourselves so that can, we can be good for others. And to defeat these evil psychopaths that have no regard for human life, who constantly want to push these, you know, cockamamie ideas, you know, you know, the robotics. You know, I've been in plants with robotics in them. You know, a robot has a, is a tool. It's a tool, but it's, it, it operates on machine. Machinery operates on power, and you have to be able to produce that power. And you have to be able to, there's just a host of things that go along with it. The same way with AI. Are these going to be, uh, I mean, this this idea, do do they want these things to be sentient? Uh, Of course, they do. They see themselves as being the masters of this. They want to create something greater than themselves. That's the whole point with these these top tier, you know, psychopaths like Yuval. They they think that... uh, they think that they can somehow manage to control the human race if they have enough uh, 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 super bots. And believe me, they will be super bots. They will come and hover over you, lord over you like gods. That's what they want. They want. They think they have a god complex inside their head, and they don't believe in God, so they believe they are gods. It's the same thing that's been going on since time memorial. I mean. Uh, the original pharaohs back 5,000 years or whatever, they had to, in order to rule over everybody and enslave their entire populations, they had to present themselves as as the superior beings above all, this hierarchy, this pyramid of uh, situations. And of course, I keep, I, I'm sure there's communists out there that are, that are uh, more than happy. Like, well, then that's the reason why we need communism. We need everybody down. You never will get everybody down to the same level. These people will never. They they use that as a hustle to keep you where you're at. And it isn't about communism and capitalism and all this other shit. It's about you being motivated to do the right thing and having a moral backbone and a choice to to not only respect humanity and respect animals, respect all this stuff, but also know what is. I mean, when you come to animals and stuff, the usefulness of of uh, of, of respecting that there is a you know we are the human we are the human race and we are you know. Uh, you know, we are the ma- uh, we are the the operators of this planet, and we evolved uh, beyond the capabilities of the of, of the other animals. But that doesn't mean that we, uh, uh, you know, we should have a a core and a backbone to know what is right and wrong towards each other. But you know that after a while, that, that's the reason why the laws are put into place. That's the reason why we we have natural rights irrespective of what Kajani Jackson thinks. But there's a, you know, just, there's things that we have to work on. There's a reason why you should be seeking stability instead of this constant stupidity of pressing for change just because you think because you're younger and you know more, you should get what you want. 
and the older people are hustling you like the Klaus Schwab's and the Larry Fink's and the Bill Gates's that have managed their, you, people who adore those people or uh, or adorate those people. Why do you adore these people? Why do you think they or Elon Musk, another one? Why do you think these people are so, you know, above you? Uh, you know, uh, why do you think that uh, you should uh, 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 just adhere to whatever they say? They can't be. They're not right about everything. Elon Musk has <laughs> gotten gone through many a woman. Obviously, he can't pick women. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not using that as uh, the only thing, but I'm just saying that's just one example. It's like if he was a really, uh, you know, so such a superstar of intellect and, and, and getting involved in relationships, and I guess he has like seven kids, you would think he would be able to learn how to have a stable relationship with one particular individual instead of jumping from woman to woman. And there are people out there, there's there's people out there like, you know, they, they like that idea. They like the to flirt around like a butterfly to go from one person to the next or they're always chasing the bigger, better thing with money and power. They don't have any stability. They just, they just enjoy they enjoy the next... They, they enjoy excitement or the newness of things until it gets old and then they just replace it. And they don't care how much, how much uh, uh, damage they do to everything around them as long as they're just happy with themselves. They're narcissistic. They don't think about anything but themselves. They don't even know how to operate inside the environment that they live in. They have no. They have no um, moral center. I guess is the best way to put it. And they'll 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 be the ones that'll be most shocked when this thing comes uh, touches off really uh, to the most negative point. So I'm going to end it there. Uh, I'm going to play out actually one of my favorite pieces of music. Um, uh, so. Instead of uh, uh, the typical uh, closeout music, I'm gonna I'm gonna play out uh, to Genesis. It's called Los Endos. So here here's uh, here's the final piece of that. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Yep. And thank you very much. Thanks for listening. <laughs>